And that is a good segue into our sermon for this afternoon. Our hope in the glory of Christ and the defeat of Satan. Revelation chapter 20, and I'm going to read for us verses 4 through 10. Revelation chapter 20, verses 4 through 10. The Word of God reads this. And I saw thrones, and seated on them were those whom the authority to judge was committed. I saw the souls of those who have been beheaded for the testimony of Jesus and for the Word of God. And those who had not worshipped the beast or its image, and had not received its mark on their foreheads or on their hands, they came to life and reigned with Christ for a thousand years. The rest of the dead did not come to life until the thousand years were ended. This is the first resurrection. Blessed and holy is the one who shares in the first resurrection. Over such the second death has no power. They will be priests of God and of Christ, and they will reign with Him for a thousand years. And when the thousand years are ended, Satan will be released from his prison, and he will come out to deceive the nations that are at the four corners of the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather them for battle. Their numbers is like the sand of the sea. They marched over the broad plain of the earth and surrounded the camp of the saints and the beloved city. The fire came down from heaven and consumed them, and the devil who had deceived them was thrown into the lake of fire and sulfur where the beast and the false prophet were, and they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. So where we left off last week, you guys remember, Christ will come to the earth to reign for a thousand years. And as I mentioned from last week's teaching, the, the position that we are learning from holds that the thousand years is occurring now, that we are actually in the thousand year reign of Christ. And it actually started with his ascension into heaven and the birth of the church, that the church is the kingdom of Christ. And we are the citizens of this kingdom. And so, the, th the thousand years, not a literal thousand years, running synonymously with uh, a parallel with the Great Tribulation. So these events are not something that happens in the distant future, that it is our reality right now. And so, again, this is why I said from the beginning, I, though I don't know for 100% sure if this view is right, I like it because it involves us directly, that we are in the middle of whatever we're reading through in Revelation. And it said that Satan must be thrown into the abyss during this period. As I mentioned before, just figurative language for the binding of Satan, that he will be prohibited during this special time, during the church age, to harm any of the saints outside of the will of God and he will not be he will be unable to deceive those whom God has chosen to be saved by the gospel and so we see this at work by 
people coming to faith in Christ all over the world, regardless of what region or religion they come from, coming to the faith in uh, Jesus Christ. And this is what I believe Jesus mentioned in John chapter 12, verse 31. Jesus saying, Now is the judgment of this world. Now will the ruler of this world be cast out. And I believe this is what Jesus Christ was referring to when speaking of Satan being thrown into the abyss. Well, during this thousand-year period, he sees souls who have been beheaded for the testimony of Jesus Christ and for the Word of God. Verse 4, we are back, taken back into heaven. We're doing back and forth from heaven and earth. And so the scene changes back quickly to heaven. And I saw thrones. This is the heavenly thrones. And seated on them were those whom authority to judge was committed. Who are they? And, it's, and it continues that these were the ones who gave their life for Jesus Christ. Those who were beheaded. Now, I don't believe it's, again, this literal beheading of believers because the, even if you look back at the first century believers, they were not all killed by beheading. So is it only those who were beheaded who are in heaven right now? Who they have this special position of, of uh, reigning with Christ? What about those who were burned at the stake? What about those who were fed to lions? And so this, again, this figurative language for those who have given their life for Jesus Christ, who have given their allegiance to Christ as opposed to the world. They would not bow down to the beast and its image. And they would not receive the mark of the beast being giving allegiance to Satan. And so, people on this earth, they may not directly worship Satan. But when they seek after money, they seek after power, fame, they're essentially seeking the things of Satan. Making them in essence, Satan worshippers. They have taken the mark of the beast. They would not bow down to the God, our Father, and Jesus Christ. And they bowed the knee to everything that this world offers. And so this applies to us. So is martyrdom the only way that we enter into heaven in this manner? Are they the special believers in heaven who get a special crown? Well, I believe that it is all believers. That this martyrdom doesn't have to be physical. That when you abstain from the passions of this world, 
and you stand up, even as the Lone Ranger saying, No, it is Christ whom I worship. It is only Christ whom I will bow the knee to. That is spiritual martyrdom. Why? Because all those who desire to live a godly life will suffer persecution. There's no asterisk there, no condition, like only if you live in this region. It's for all believers. That includes you and I living in America. And this is true for all believers who have died since the birth of the church up till now. And maybe we will leave this earth before Christ returns. And if that be the case, we will be those who will be in heaven. Reigning with Christ. That is a promise that we have received as the spirit of adoption. Can I speak on this a little? If you, I, I said this before, if your life is a walk in the park, everything is going a-okay, and people love you, I mean, there's nothing wrong with that, but then you have to question, what, what about that promise those who desire to live a godly life, those who desire to stand up for Christ, they will suffer persecution. It is promised by God that the world will hate them. And so, life, you will, you will see, will become, we have to be dying to ourselves every day, and we will face and experience spiritual martyrdom for clinging on to Christ and Christ alone. And it seems more likely now with where our society is headed. They came to life and reigned with Christ for a thousand years. These are those who are in heaven right now. Those believers, the saints who have lost their life, or those who have died and, and gone up before the second advent. The second advent being the second return of Jesus Christ. I love that they came to life. As if the life on this earth wasn't really real. That true life is in heaven. That is when you will actually breathe your first real breath. It's not on this earth. It's in your real home. It's in heaven. And so we understand John, author, is writing this by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit to comfort the believers who were, in fact, being persecuted. 
government was out to get them. Why was John writing this in exile? Because he was a believer in Jesus Christ. Why was Peter, according to church history, crucified upside down? Because of his faith in Jesus Christ. And so the believers needed to find comfort. Is What is the point of all this? Is there something better waiting for us? And the answer is yes. They will be given new life. And that is a promise by the Amen. That is the promise by God Almighty. And we can cling to that promise. And we can say, oh, it's, it's not that difficult not to receive the mark of the beast. As I mentioned before, if, it, if this mark came out with like a face of a goat and you know, devil's horns, of course you'd be like, oh, forget it. But if it's disguised, radiant in beauty and is pleasing to the eyes it will deceive many people this is why cling to Christ and Christ alone put your hope and faith in nothing else everything else is fleeting everything else fades away and we know where everything ultimately will lead you if it's not God. So, we see here the promise to those who are in Christ, they will have life and life everlasting. Remember what uh, Jesus said. He said to the church in Ephesus, they shall eat from the tree of life. To the church in Smyrna, they will not be hurt by the second death. To the church in Pergamum, they'll be given the hidden manna. To Thyatira, to given authority over the nations to rule with Christ. And Sardis, they will be clothed in white, and that their names will not be blotted out in the Lamb's book of life. To the church in Philadelphia, their place will be in the new Jerusalem. And they'll be given a new name, a heavenly name, name given by God. And lastly, to the church in Laodicea, they'll be given permission to sit with Christ on His throne. And this is what we are seeing. The promise come to fruition. They are there. There's no... Testing period for them. They are at the finish line, reigning with Christ. But it is for those who conquer. That's what Jesus says, for those who conquer. It is not those who just fill the seats of church and make the seat warm. They're not bench warmers. It's those cling to Christ and endure, run the race and persevere. It is then and only then you will have eternal life. 
And this is where we find our hope. This is where our hope rests. That after this life, there is something so much greater. You may have an amazing life now. There is something so much greater. Life and life everlasting with the presence in the presence of your Creator and your Savior. So these saints will be there until Christ returns. But their placement is sealed in heaven. But what about the rest? The rest of the dead did not come to life until the thousand years were ended. This is the first resurrection. Who are they? These are the people who have died, who have not given their life over to Jesus Christ. These are the people who are in hell. The hell is a reality. There is no purgatory where we could pray for them and then pray for them to go to heaven. We don't need to pay the church to pray on the dead soul's behalf so that they can make their way into heaven. Their faith is sealed. And why will they not come to life? Because we will see actually Later, uh, next week that they will be they will come to life to receive their final judgment you'll see that next week that the, the faith of those who do not receive Christ as Lord and Savior is very different from those whose life are hidden in Christ Jesus They have no hope. They may say they have hope. They hope in many things. Now, when I was a uh, drug and alcohol counselor and we had those AA meetings, they would say, hey, you know, trust in the God of your own understanding. They changed it. You know, it was from trust in God to the God of your own understanding to make it more palpable to the other faiths. And so I would hear people say, oh yeah, my God is my daughter, my son, my family, my career. That is where my hope is. That is my God. They are putting hope in things that literally will not hold them. It's like being on a boat with a million holes and it, it is bound to sink. It, that hope is an illusion. All those who put their hope in their own righteousness they don't need a God telling them what to do. That they are good enough to make it to the next life. If they do, you know, 
enough good deeds, they will be in for the shock of their life. There is no hope, no real hope for those who are apart from the body of Christ. Because it is only Christ who gives eternal life. So our hope isn't in the fact that we live righteously or because we are holier than other people. It is because Christ has imputed His righteousness into us and has granted us eternal life. It is by His grace and mercy. Blessed and holy are those who share in the first resurrection. Blessed are those who leave this earth and are believers in Christ Jesus. Because it says the second death has no power. So that when the books are opened at the great white throne judgment, they do not have to you know, clench their fist and be sweating bullets whether they will go to heaven or not. Their, their placement in heaven is sealed. If you are a believer in Jesus Christ right now, your placement in heaven is sealed. It has been sealed by the Holy Spirit. Your heart has been seared, marked by the Holy Spirit. You belong to Jesus Christ. You have nothing to fear. Our hope. rest on this wonderful promise. We will be priest of God and of Christ. We will be representing Him. We will reign with Him for a thousand years. That Christ will allow us to sit next to Him on His throne as He has promised to us. If you know that that is your fate, that is your destiny. That no matter what happens on this earth, that is where you are going. How can we not be overfilled with joy? And this is why we have this wonderful hope, because the Holy Spirit fills us up, reassuring us that that is where we will be headed. Do not put your hope in the things of this world. Well, who has put its trust and its hope in the enemy, Satan. Because the enemy is a defeated foe. He was defeated on the cross on Calvary, but he will meet his bitter end on the final day. We know the end of the story. Christ wins, Satan loses. So why in the world will we put our trust in someone we know will lose? Yeah, we understand Satan is powerful. He shouldn't be underestimated. It's why in the Lord's Prayer it includes, Lord, deliver us from the evil one. That's the correct interpretation. It is not deliver us from evil, it's deliver us from the evil one. 
We have nothing to fear because God is greater. Christ is greater. God is mightier. And because of his mighty attributes, God has no equal. And this God fights for us and he delivers us. 1 John 4, 4. Little children, you are from God and have overcome them. For he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. We have the spirit of victory inside of us. Because we serve the God who wins. It says that Satan must be released for a little while to deceive the nations. Gog and Magog. You guys remember that from two weeks ago. Gog and Magog. To be a representation of this fallen world. So the, the world, this fallen world system given many labels, titles, Babylon the Great, and Gog and Magog. So there we understand that there will be a period where God will actually um, loosen Satan's leash and allow him for a, for a period to deceive the nations to unleash his power over the fallen world and wage war on Christ by waging war on his saints have you guys ever wondered how in the world are these people trying to wage war with God they do that by waging war with the saints because we represent God. And so in the last period, right, no period before, there will be persecution of the saints. An attack on our beliefs. An attack on us because of what we believe in. But that time is short. Because as he is coming to destroy the Christians who are remaining on this earth, fire came down from heaven and consumed them. So even if we remain on the earth when Christ comes, we are delivered. God fights for us as he has fought for us before he fights for us always and delivers us from the evil one and Satan's fate is thrown into the lake of fire is to be thrown into the lake of fire with the beast and the false prophet all those who bowed the knee to Satan this is their fate, to be tormented forever and ever. And we'll get to this next week, but hell is a place you do not wish upon your worst enemy. The fact of the matter is, hell is real. This is why we evangelize, we preach the gospel to everyone that we see. To snatch them out of the flame. But you guys see 
the, the fate of, of those who are in Christ and those who are not. Those who put their allegiance to Christ and those who put their allegiance in Satan. Truly, as the song says, all other ground is sinking sand. Our hope is a living hope, a beautiful hope. And no matter what you are suffering or enduring on this earth, no one can snatch that hope away from you. Because you are sealed by the Holy Spirit. Your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. You are hidden in Christ Jesus our Lord. Thomas Brooks, a 17th century Puritan preacher, he said this, Your life is short, your duties many, your assistance great, and your reward sure. Therefore, faint not, hold on and hold up, and in ways of well-being, and heaven shall make amends for all. The amount of Suffering and enduring that you go through on this earth is nothing compared to the glory of heaven. You are in Christ. Done deal. You are in heaven. And this, as I said, is the hope that we want to share to the world. Why would we hoard this to ourselves? If, in fact, those who do not receive Christ as Lord and Savior, like Satan, will be thrown into the lake of fire. Why are we not doing everything that we can to snatch them out of those burning flames? Be about Father's business, advancing the kingdom of Christ, giving people the hope that you have as a redeemed son and daughter in Jesus Christ. And we give this hope primarily through the preaching of the gospel. And this is why Romans 10, 17 says, So faith comes from hearing, and hearing through the word of God. And so may we be evangelists for Christ. That we take our pulpit everywhere we go, sharing with people the hope that we have in Christ. May I pray for uh, for us, that we have encouragement right now. For those who are in Christ Jesus, and I, and I spoke about this on Friday, but we do have an unwavering hope, a supernatural hope. It's a hope that does not fail because it comes from God. And because it comes from the words of God, which must come to pass. So it's hope built upon hope.
There is nothing that life can throw at you which can take away that hope. The enemy will do all he can to strip that hope away from you because this hope is a supernatural hope, a hope not of this world. He cannot. He, he is unable to. And we have victory because our Lord Jesus Christ has victory and we share in His victory. And we have eternal life because Christ is eternal life. And He shares that with us. And we have hope only because Christ is the source of abundant hope. And that hope, when we look into the horizon, we see our place in heaven. This is why we should be celebrating, jumping and dancing and rejoicing and thanking the Lord God Almighty. This isn't just good news. This is beyond good news. This is great news. And may we celebrate that this afternoon. Well, of course, for the rest of our life. Thank the Lord, Lord. Thank you for saving me, adopting me as your son and daughter through the giving of your son, Jesus Christ, and that my destiny be found in heaven to be with you forever and ever, to enjoy your loving presence forever and ever and ever. May you never lose this hope. Stay connected to the Word of God to renew that hope. Stay connected with God. And that hope will never, ever be stripped away from you. As we sing the final song, I would just like to uh, share a final verse with us uh, that sums up what we have been talking about from a different passage in the Bible. Philippians chapter 3, verses 20 through 21 but our citizenship is in heaven. And from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like His glorious body by the power that enables Him even to subject all things to Himself.